Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the book of Job. My name's Dwayne, and today we're coming to Job chapter 18 and 19. I'll say it fast because we'll mostly be focused on chapter 19, but for background, we'll look at chapter 18 too. So if you've got a moment, make sure that you have the Bible in front of you. Uh, if you're watching this and you don't know where we are, we're doing a series in the book of Job and we're listening carefully to the argument. Uh, as I've said before, it's like a panel discussion on, uh, caused by suffering, a panel discussion about God. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump straight in. So let me pray. Father, our prayer, as it says in your word, our prayer is that you will magnify above all things your name and your word. And so we come to your word humbly. We come to your word expectantly. What will we learn from you in your own word? Please speak to us now, we pray. Amen. Okay, so when I was young, um, so uh, not last year, but uh, when I was really young, I, I think I was in high school, I think it was my first year of high school, we went on a school outing. And we went to, this was in, in, in South Africa, in, in a place called Durban, um, and we went to the big mosque the main mosque in Durban. It was a school outing. Now, uh, growing up in South Africa, I'd never been to a mosque before. Uh, this was all new to me. And I remember going there and it was strange. It was unfamiliar. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. It, it, was, it was almost weird for me. Uh, just like like many Australians who, who go to church for the first time, it, it's really a strange, weird experience. I mean, when do I stand? When do I sit? Well, you know, I, I've, I don't usually sing and now I've got to sing. It's, it's a very disorientating experience. Anyway, so we go to this mosque. You have to take your shoes off. It was my whole year. So it was about 100 or so kids, more maybe. And we filed in and, you, and there's no chairs and you sit on this carpet and I happen to be sitting in the front row. And uh, I'm sitting in the front row there, all frightened and scared. And, and this dude comes up, the imam, and he begins to teach us about Islam and what uh, Islam believes. And, 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 you know, and he was walking up and down and talking. Now, I, I don't remember everything he said. But I remember two things very clearly, and, and I'll tell you why I remember them. Uh, first of all, one of the things he said is, you don't need to become a car to know how a car works. And I, I, I remember that, and, and the reason I remember that is it just shows you the power of a good illustration, because I remember that. And he was kind of like, I guess, because I can't quite remember, he was kind of like saying that God doesn't need to enter our world. And, and, and that's a central teaching of Islam. God is transcendent, so he doesn't enter our world. And, 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 and he would never do that. He would never enter our world. For God to become a man, that's impossible. That's, that's blasphemy in Islamic thinking. God is above suffering. Suffering can't touch God. Um, that, that's the way Islam thinks. But the second thing, and this I remember the most clear, is he's walking up and down. 
And as he was teaching us about Islam, he looked straight at me. And there I am, little kid, cross-legged. You know, <clears throat> and he said this, if I kill someone, who goes to jail, you or me? And he looked straight at me. If I kill someone, who goes to jail, you or me? And he pointed at me. Now, you need to know, I'm frightened of public speaking. I always have been. And there's all these hundreds of kids sitting over there. And this, this man, you know, looks at me and says, if I kill someone, who goes to jail, you or me? And, he, and he's pointing at me. And, oh, look, I just hit the panic button. Complete panic. So I said, uh, me, me. And everyone burst out laughing and he smiled and, you know, everybody. and then I realized, oh, no, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. You, sorry, you, you, you go to jail. You know, uh, I remember that very clearly. And ever since then, I've always been bad at speaking publicly. But obviously, uh, his point was very clear. No, 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 no. If I kill someone, I go to jail because I deserve it. You can't go to jail for me. Uh, the innocent don't suffer. The guilty suffer. That's the way the world works. And I raise this because religion, that's a classic illustration of religion. Religion can't handle the idea of innocent suffering. Religion can't deal with it. Religion can't deal with innocent suffering. And especially not someone innocent suffering on the part of someone guilty. Religion has no place with that. The guilty must suffer and the innocent must be blessed and never the twain should meet. That's how religion thinks. So, and, and, and it's not just religion. We all think like that. Religion is man-made. So religion flows out of all of our thinking. And that's how people think. We think the guilty must be punished and the innocent must be blessed. And, and, and you can't cross them over. You know, you watch a movie and there's someone really bad, a baddie, baddie, bad. And then, well, he gets shot in the end and, and you're half happy because you wanted him to suffer more. I don't want him just to die. He must suffer because of what he's done. You know, uh, that's how we think. We all think like that. Now, in the book of Job, Job's friends speak on behalf of religion. Job's friends speak like your friends do down at the pub. Job's friends represent the way people think. And for Job's friends, they can't handle the idea of innocent suffering. They just can't cope with it at all. And so, yeah, I've got a little picture here for you. This is the way they think. The innocent do not suffer. The wicked suffer hell. This is what Job's friends think time and time again. Now, Job is going through hell, right? Uh, if you've been in the series, you know Job's going through hell. He's bankrupt, so he's lost all his possessions. Everything that he had, he's lost. He's bereaved, so he's lost his children. They've died. Lost all of his children, all of his children are dead and gone. He himself has got boils and some kind of horrific sickness. You know, he's sitting in ashes, scraping himself with, um, you know, clay pot, broken pieces. His marriage is gone. His wife has abandoned him and mocked him. And, you know, so that's gone. And he's got no friends. 
because his friends have come along and because they believe this, as most people do and religion does, because they believe this, they're like, well, Job, you must be evil. You must be sinning. And you must repent if you want to stop suffering. It's your fault you're suffering because you're a bad person. If the howl fits, then you must wear it. Sorry, if the hat fits, you must wear it. Uh, but if the howl fits, you must wear it. The innocent do not suffer. The wicked suffer hell. What do you think? What do you think of that? Uh, uh, that's our natural human thinking. Now, let's start thinking a bit. Like all error, there is some truth in it. There, there is some truth in it. Nothing is totally wrong. There is some truth in it. Suffering is real. We've got to acknowledge that. Suffering is real, and therefore hell is real. Uh, we are not Tom Cruise, because we don't spend 40,000 US dollars a month on cosmetics. Um, but that's not the only reason we're not like Tom Cruise. We're not like Tom Cruise and Christian scientists. They think suffering is an illusion. We think it's real. We're not like Buddhists who think suffering is an illusion. We think it's real. Suffering is real. Hell is real. And what you have in chapter 18 of the book of Job is this poetical description of hell. And it is horrible. It's a description of suffering. I'm going to race you through it just to get, let you get a feel for it. But it's really not nice reading. This is tough stuff. But listen to what it says. Here, here is a poem about suffering and hell. It comes from Bildad. We've heard from him before. Let me read it to you very quickly. Job chapter 18 verse 2. How long will you hunt for words? Consider and then we will speak. Why are we counted as cattle? Why are we stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in your anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for you or the rock be removed out of its place? Wow. So Bildad looks at Job and says, do you think we're stupid? Are you saying all religions are wrong? What do you think? He's tearing into Job. He's, he's saying we look like cattle to you. And you won't listen. So watch what he says. Indeed, the light of the wicked is put out. And the flame of his fire does not shine. The wicked suffer. Verse 6, the light is dark in his tent. His lamp above him is put out. His strong steps are shortened. His own schemes throw him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet. And he walks on its mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel. A snare lays hold of him. A rope is hidden for him in the ground. A trap for him in the path. Who's he talking about? He's saying wicked people. Wicked people suffer. They always get caught. They always get caught. Always. Is this true? Well, keep listening. Terrors frighten him on every side and chase him at his heels. His strength is famished and calamity is ready for his stumbling. It consumes the parts of his skin. The firstborn of death consumes his limbs. That's a horrible picture. It's like this monster, the grim reaper, feeding on your legs. It's really terrible stuff. He's torn from the tent in which he trusted and he's brought to the king of terrors. In his tent dwells that which is none of his. Sulfur is scattered over his habitation. 
His roots drive beneath and his branches wither above. His memory perishes from the earth and he has no name in the street. He is thrust from light into darkness and driven out of the world. He has no prosperity or progeny among his people and no survivor where he used to live. Which is horrible. He's saying the wicked, all his children die. You know, I mean, what must Job be feeling? He's saying the wicked get driven from their tent. What do you think Job's feeling? I mean, all of this has happened to Job, right? They of the West, verse 20, are appalled at his day and horror seizes them of the East. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. Bottom line, what's he saying? The bottom line is that the wicked suffer hell. It's a poetical description. And here's his bottom line. The wicked suffer hell. And is it true? Look at verse 21. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. Is it true? Yes, it's true. It is true. The wicked do suffer hell. He's 100% correct. But there are two problems with what Bildad says. And the first is this. Job is not wicked. That's what Bildad's saying. He's saying the wicked suffer. You're suffering, Job. Therefore, you must be wicked. You must be. Why else are you suffering? Right? We want to agree with Bildad. The wicked do suffer hell. Suffering is real. Hell is real. But Job is blameless. We know this from chapter 1 and 2. And so watch what Job says in reply. And I've got two things for you. First of all, Job says, I'm innocent, but God is against me. I'm innocent, but God is against me. Uh, we're going to go through what he says, but notice the, the, the title of this talk, When the Innocent Suffer for the Wicked. You'll see how, we're gonna, how this is all going to come together, how this is all going to make sense. But in the meantime, Job says, I'm innocent, but God is against me. God is against me. Look with me in Job chapter 19. How long will you torment me? And break me in pieces with words. Don't believe those who say sticks and stones can hurt my bones, but words can never. Don't believe them. Words hurt far more than sticks and stones. These ten times you've cast reproach on me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? Job's saying, you're attacking me. You're saying I deserve this, but I don't. I'm innocent. And even if it be true that I've erred, my error remains with myself. You know, what, what's your problem? If indeed you magnify yourselves against me and make my disgrace an argument against me, here it comes. Know then that God has put me in the wrong and he's closed his net around me. Behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. Job says, God is against me. God is fighting against me. And, and by the way, this is what makes hell so bad. What makes hell so bad? Not the devil, because he's suffering as much as everybody else. 
What makes the hell so bad is that God is opposed to you. God is against you. Job is going through hell. But if you look at verse 6 and 7, God has put me in the wrong. I cry out. There's no justice at this point. We have to say that Job goes too far. Job goes too far. Job doesn't know everything. Yes, he's blameless. Yes, he doesn't deserve what he's going through. But Job, you don't know chapter 1 and chapter 2 like we do, the readers. See, whenever you accuse God of injustice, Job says, I cry out, there's no justice. Well, hold on, Job. You don't know everything. You haven't read chapter 1 and 2. Whenever a human being accuses God of injustice, you can be sure that it's wrong. And the reason it's wrong is because no human being knows everything. No one can see everything. You can only judge God when you have seen absolutely everything, including what can't be seen, what happens in heaven. There is Job on earth and Satan, as you know, if you've been coming along in the book of Job, Satan and God have had this conversation. Job doesn't know about that. That's in heaven. It's not open to his view. Anyone who accuses God of injustice is arrogant because you don't know the whole picture. This is a problem with Job's friends. Job's friends think they've got God nailed down. Job's friends think they know what God must do and what God mustn't do. And the reason for this is because they think they know what is fair and what is unfair. But you can't know that because you don't know everything. I remember the, the atheist spokesman actor Stephen Fry. Very good actor, very bad thinker. And Stephen Fry was having one of his atheistic rants and he was saying, let me tell you about a fly. You know, and he's an actor, so he can get emotional and persuasive if he wants to. He said, let me tell you about a fly that lays its eggs in a child's eye. And worms are born and they burrow through the child's eyeballs. And over time, the child becomes blind. And then when he tells us that horrible picture, and who doesn't agree that's terrible, then he says, there can't be a God. And if there is a God, he's evil. And I, see what he does. It's extreme arrogance. Because that is terrible. Like what's happening to Job, it's horrible. But you don't know the big picture. You can't see everything. You don't know eternity past. And you don't know eternity future. You don't know what God is doing. It is arrogant for a 160-year-old man, well, uh, I don't know how old Stephen Fry is, but he looks like that, um, to judge the God who lives forever. You don't know everything. Job's friends think they know how it ought to be. And even here, Job is going too far by saying God isn't just. So Job says, God is against me. Look how he ends there, verse 10. He breaks me down on every side and I'm gone. My hope has been pulled up like a tree. He's kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary. His troops come on together. They've cast up their siege ramp against me. They encamp around my tent. It's an 
awful picture of hell when God is against you. And Job is experiencing hell. Job says, I'm innocent. God is against me. Secondly, Job says, I'm innocent, but God isolates me. He takes all my friends from me. Look, look at what he says in verse 12, uh, 13. God has put my brothers far from me. And those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I've become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. My breath is strange to my wife. I'm a stink to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. And I, when I rise up, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me. And those whom I have loved turn against me. My bones stick to my skin and to my flesh. And I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Isn't it? That's how the English language has been so shaped by the Bible. That's where that comes from, by the skin of the teeth. What's he saying? He's saying, though I'm innocent, God has completely isolated me. There's no one. If God is against me, there's no one who can help me. On the contrary. Everyone now thinks I'm a loathsome thing. If God is against you, that's what hell is like. Is when you become loathsome to everybody. Hell is an experience of isolation and separation. And loneliness is a taste of hell. By the way, you know, maybe you might be sitting listening in your lounge with your kiddies next to you and your wife. I don't know. Uh, and, and, and so you wouldn't be able to relate to loneliness. And sometimes when your children are with you all day, you think a little bit of loneliness would be lovely. You know, but let me tell you the truth. Loneliness is a horrific thing to go through. Real loneliness. Isolation. Some people deal with it. And it is a horrible experience. We were created for relationship. And one of the worst things judgment can do is isolate you from other people. You know, in this COVID-19 thing that we've all been through and, and the forced isolation and lockdown, many, many medical experts have said that the suffering lockdown has caused is actually worse than getting COVID-19. Many have warned of the psychological damage when people are isolated and alone. Hell is to experience isolation forever. Now, Job is going through hell. I'm innocent, but God is against me. I'm innocent, but God isolates me. No wonder Job so badly wants to die. Job, as you know from last week, Job wants to die. And Jesus says, when people are in, in hell, they will want to die, but they won't be able to. There's no dying in hell. So let's think about this. What's the bottom line? We'll look at verse 20 to 22. My bones stick to my skin, to my flesh. I've escaped by the skin of my teeth. So my friends, you're wrong. Watch what he's going to say. This is what Job's going to say. Yes, the wicked suffer hell. You're right. But my friends, says Job, you are wrong to say the innocent do not suffer. 
You're wrong to say that. Look at what he says. Verse 21, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O you my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you like God pursue me? Why are you not satisfied with my flesh? Job says, I am blameless. And God is putting me through hell. And so you're wrong. The innocent do suffer. Now, how does that make you feel? Do you want to live in a universe where the innocent suffer? Uh, th this is what makes the book of Job so upsetting. The book of Job is upsetting. It, 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 it rocks our little cozy worlds where we think everything runs according to our little mathematical formulas. It's upsetting. Do you want to live in a universe where the innocent suffer? Do you? You know what the answer is? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I do. I want to live in a universe where the innocent suffer. Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Because there was an ultimate innocent sufferer. And he suffered so that the wicked don't have to go to hell. The biblical universe, the true universe, is that there was an innocent person. The ultimate innocent person. And he suffered. So that the wicked don't have to go to hell. See, think with me. Here's the other problem with Job's religious friends. They say, listen, you say only the wicked go to hell and the innocent don't suffer. But what's the huge problem with that? The huge problem is we're all wicked. We're all wicked. It's all very well to say the wicked go to hell. Tick. We all agree with that. The innocent do not suffer. Well, yes. But who's innocent? That's your problem. Your problem is that you don't realize we're all wicked. You know, when that imam, look, I was a child, so I was never going to give the right answer. But when that imam looked at me and said, if I kill someone who goes to jail, you or me, he's right. You go to jail because you killed someone. But what I should have said is this. But who hasn't killed someone? Who's innocent? And you might be sitting and saying, well, I've never killed anyone. Yes, you have. I've killed people. Jesus said, if you hate someone in your heart, you have killed them. The fact of the matter is, we're all guilty. The fact of the matter is, we're all going to hell. The fact of the matter is, God is going to be against every single one of us. And here is the beautiful truth of Jesus that Job points us to. Is that the innocent Jesus suffered hell for sinners. The innocent Jesus suffered hell for sinners. Look again at what Job went through. I'm innocent, but God is against me. I'm innocent, but God isolates me. Now think with me. Jesus Christ experienced both of those things. 
Jesus Christ, the ultimate innocent, went through both of those two things. Think of the first one. I'm innocent, but God is against me. Think of Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. Think how he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is hanging on that cross. He knows it is God who is against him. It's not the, Jesus is not like, oh, come on, people. This is really not fair. You don't hear that from Jesus. You don't hear Jesus hanging on there going, how is this fair? Where's justice when you need it? You don't hear Jesus doing that. No, Jesus knows it is God who is against him, even though he's innocent. And isn't it interesting? Just like Job's friends say, well, you're suffering, so you must be evil. So the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they can't cope with innocent suffering. And so the religious leaders of Jesus' day are also shouting at Jesus going, well, you must be evil. You're a blasphemer because God's letting you suffer. Actually, it's interesting. That's what Muslims believe. Muslims believe that God would never let Jesus hang on a cross. So they don't think he did die on a cross. And the reason they think that is because he was a righteous prophet. And God would never let his righteous prophet suffer. Never. But he did suffer. And he hung on that cross. And though he was innocent, God was against Jesus. Why? Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Job 19, verse 6. Job cries to God. He says, know then that God has put me in the wrong. Think about that. That's what happened to Jesus. Though he was innocent, God was against him. Why? Because God put Jesus in the wrong. Let me explain it to you. God took our sin because there is none of us innocent. God took our evil and he put it on Jesus. God put Jesus in the wrong. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for our sakes. God put our wrong on Jesus. On the cross, Jesus was put in the place of the wrong. In my place. In your place. And so though innocent, God was against Jesus for our sake. But secondly, the innocent Jesus died alone. Job says, uh, I'm innocent, but God, God's isolating me. Well, the same with Jesus. He hung on that cross without a friend. Absolutely alone. Peter, probably his closest friend, denied him to a little girl, you know. His disciples have run off. He's friendless. Even God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even God abandoned Jesus on the cross. The truly innocent Jesus went through hell. Why? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Here's why. Let me show you the beauty of biblical Christianity. Why you don't want to live in a religious universe. In a religious universe, the wicked suffer hell. The innocent don't suffer. 
That doesn't help anyone. Because in a religious universe, we're all guilty. Let me show you the true universe. Here's what it looks like. The innocent do not suffer. Wrong. We've seen Job is innocent. We've seen Jesus innocent. The wicked suffer hell. That is true. But look at the biblical picture. The innocent Jesus suffered hell in order to redeem wicked sinners who deserve hell. The innocent suffered for the wicked. Here's the true picture. Look closely. The innocent one has suffered. Therefore, the wicked don't have to suffer hell. This is the, the beauty of Christianity. I don't know if you're listening to this and, and you can't see my pictures, but, but it is, well, I'll read it again. It is so beautiful. It's so much better than religion. The innocent one has suffered. The innocent one, Jesus, went through hell. Why? So that the wicked don't have to suffer hell. Look at how Job puts it. Verse 23. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that were <laughs> uh, wish granted. <laughs> it's lovely, eh? Because, but, but they are written in a book. We're studying them here, you know, in 2020. But anyway. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. Now watch this. Watch, watch how this changes the world. Watch how this comes and meets Job in his agony of suffering. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I know. Wow. No longer are you talking to your hope that, you know, I'm, I'm innocent. I hope I'm not too bad so that I don't have to go to hell. I'm not, no, I know. And he doesn't say, I know that I'm innocent. As if my hope is in that. No. I know that my Redeemer lives. He's alive. The one who suffered for me. The one who purchases me from hell. My Redeemer. Look at this. And at the last, he will stand upon dust. Uh, I think that should say dust. But anyway, here's the point. What's Job saying? He's saying, I'm sitting here scraping. I've lost everything. But at the end, my Redeemer will stand on my dust. Uh, on this earth. However you want to translate that. The point is, when it all said and done, my Redeemer will be the last man standing. My Redeemer. And it gets better. Look what he says. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh. Oh, I'm sorry. You just said your skin's going to be destroyed. No. In my flesh, I will see God. Can you see? As he's scraping himself with pots, hope is dawning. I have a solid hope. At the end, I will see my Redeemer. And at the end, my flesh that I'm busy cutting now with a pot will stand and look upon God. Look at verse 27. Whom I shall see for myself. My eyes. You know these eyes that haven't stopped crying? My eyes 
will see him and not another. Oh, verse 27, my heart faints with me. You know, what does that mean? Job is in agony. If, if, you know, how can we describe it again and again? And yet suddenly he has a vision of something so glorious. He says, my heart can't deal with it. It's beautiful. In the midst of agony, he's looking at something beautiful. That his Redeemer will stand on the earth. And that in his flesh, he too will see his God. This hope of this Redeemer flows out of what's going on. That the innocent one has suffered. So that the wicked don't have to go to hell. And Job is finding all his hope in these words. That Jesus Christ suffered hell. In order to redeem wicked sinners who deserve hell. And this is what we learn from Job. Do you know, um, uh, quite, a, quite a while ago, I don't know, a year or two, I came across this illustration. So I'm going to hijack it and, and flesh it out a bit. But um, uh, let, let me try and paint you a picture. See, listen. Imagine Job dies. Right, so Job dies, and his body is put in the ground, and it decomposes, and the boils take over, and he's dead, and the worms cover him, and he rots away. You know, he's finished crying now, but his eyes are rotting. And his friends come along, and they build a tombstone for Job. He's in the ground, he's dead. What a tragic life. I mean, he had it all, and he just suffered died. I mean, what was the point of that? But anyway, uh, so we've got to honor the dead. Uh, so, so they make a tombstone for him. What do you think they would write on the tombstone? Here lies Job. He had secret sins. He refused to repent. So he got what he deserved. That's the world of religion. And that's the way Job's friends think. What do you think God would write on Job's tombstone? Job suffered immensely. He's dead now. What do you think God would write? Here lies Job. A sinner. Redeemed by my son. Vindicated. And received by me. Can you see the difference? Why can God write that? Because the innocent one suffered hell for Job. And Job trusted in him. Well, Dwayne, how do you know that's true? How, how do you know that's true? Oh, actually, I do. I can tell you how I know that's true. Because there's another tombstone. There's another tombstone. Do you know what it says on that tombstone? It says, Jesus, the innocent sufferer who experienced hell on earth, was supposed to lie here. He's not here. He is risen. That's how I know it's true. And that's where Job put his hope. And that's why Job today is happier than anyone listening to this message. There's a warning. I want to close the chapter with a warning. 
uh, uh, let me give you a warning. It's true. The wicked suffer and they do go to hell. I don't think they suffer in this life, but they will. They will go to hell. None of us are innocent. So here's the warning. And Job ends with this. Don't be religious. Don't go against the innocent sufferer. Don't be like Job's friends. Don't go against the innocent sufferer. Jesus. Look at what Job says. Verse 28. If you say how we will pursue him and the root of the matter is found in him, as in, nah, he's wrong. There's sin there somewhere. Listen to what Job warns you. Be afraid of the sword. For wrath brings the punishment of the sword. That you may know there is a judgment. You will go to hell forever if you play games with the innocent sufferer. He suffered, so you don't have to go to hell. But if you play games with the innocent sufferer, there is a judgment. And you will. Go to hell. Thank God we live in a universe where nobody has to because of the one innocent sufferer who died in the place of wicked people who should, who deserve to go to hell. Again, let me invite you. Uh, write to us. Go to our website if you want to hear more, if you want us to pray for you. We'd love to. Uh, join us live on Wednesday for our life course. Uh, we're going to look at what's gone wrong with the world. But in the meantime, I'm going to pray. Father, the innocent Jesus suffered hell on earth so that wicked people like me who deserve hell, don't have to. Gracious Father, we learn all of this through the incredible book of Job. Please don't let us be religious. Please don't let us be like Job's friends. Help us to trust and put all our hope in Jesus. And more, though some of us may be suffering intensely, May our hearts burst with joy when we have a vision of our Redeemer standing at the end of it all and we see him face to face. It's in his name we pray. Amen.